work with businesses, bring these honeybees to their campus to engage their employees, reconnect them to the natural world, to the agricultural world, through the honeybee. Hi everyone, it's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock, and today on Wolfpack Career Chats, I have Ben Dictus. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. It's great to see you today. I'm excited to have a conversation about your career journey and some of the lessons that you've learned in life. I would love to have you start off by sharing a little bit with our listeners about you. All right. I'm a chief culture officer and principal beekeeper for Bee Downtown. That's my current role. Moved to North Carolina to work on a PhD at NC State. Still doing that. And I love the outdoors, love small dogs, love people and interacting with people teaching. And that's the cool thing about my current job at the downtown is it kind of integrates all of those things. Even the dogs. We, we can have dogs in the office. So. That's my goal in life. I want to be important enough to be able to do that. One of the things I got to know about you when we worked together at NC State a few years ago was you have this passion for running marathons and you have this tradition about when you finish a marathon, what you do with your special award. Share that. I give it away to whoever has impacted my life greatly at that moment. And Marcy's got the last one. Good for you. Good for you. And it was an honor to receive that. And I, I thought that would be a fun thing for other people to hear is that idea you had. And why did you decide to do that? It seems like so much work to get through such a big physical achievement. I don't know where it came from exactly, but the whole point of running marathon is a personal one to me. So collecting medals, which in marathon medals are quite cool usually. But I just, I didn't... Well, how can I get rid of them in a meaningful way? Yeah, I like it. I learned a lot from you about minimalism and have recently downsized and let go of a lot of material things. Are you currently in a personal life state where material things aren't as important to you and what values surround that? Yeah, I think one thing with that is you always have to fight that good fight because stuff will creep back in. I think in certain areas of my life, I've, I've really got dialed in. This is this is my uniform. I wear, I have like 10 of the same shirt. I wear tan pants and a blue shirt every day. So no choices or mental energy wasted on deciding what to wear. And in a lot of areas of my life, yes, that's very true. But in others, tools and, and wood and building bee boxes, it's, it's a little fun. I guess, um, and for our listeners who are seeing, can't see the t-shirt, it, it looks like a beehive, I think. And is that correct? Okay. And I heard the same thing about President Obama, that he just always wore the same thing, so he didn't have to waste any energy on thinking. What advice would you have for people that are in those college years, just kind of about to start accumulating things that would be good to hear? I would spend time and money on people and experiences stuff is just stuff. especially if you might move a lot it's just it makes life tougher to have all this stuff and weirdly like something's just rented like i could go kayaking three times a year why keep a kayak in my backyard that's not that much more expensive i get a new kayak every time yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't hang on to the stuff especially if you're going to move three four five times to a new job in the first 10 years of your 
maybe a professional career, which you probably will. It's less stuff to lug around. Yes, I think this generation does a lot of that. And I learned that from you because I had to clean out some houses of loved ones that passed away. And I really found myself just toiling over what to keep and what to let go. And I found if I took a picture of some of the things or just kept one piece of grandma's china, not 72 pieces of it, that it was enough for the sentimental side. And also that my kids who are now starting their adult lives really didn't want a lot of the stuff either. So that's, I think, an important lesson and to learn, but it takes people a while to do that. Yeah, like the China. I know when, when I got married 10 years ago, I was like, get a China set, get a China set. I have lots of kitchen utensils. I love to cook, so that it's an area where I do have a lot of stuff, but know what you, you will use and what you won't use. And if you don't think you will, that probably means you won't. Yeah, I've started going, have I looked at this in a year? Have I worn this in a year? Has it brought meaning to my life? If not, I'm going to donate it. And it kind of makes you feel good. I know when we moved, we we had a pool table and it had so many memories, but it was a chapter of our life and we were ready to let go of that chapter. All right, so let's transition over a little bit to your career. So I'm, I'm curious about this chief culture officer part of your title. Will you dive in a little bit to that and share what your organization is all about and and why the work you do is meaningful. Yeah. So we work with businesses, bring bees, honeybees to their campus to engage their employees, reconnect them to the natural world, to the agricultural world, to the honeybee. So it's really two words, employee engagement. Um, that's what we're all about. And so that's what we're all about. That's where all our focus goes. We should probably be good at engaging and knowing what's going on with our employees. There's only 14 of us. And usually the first C-suite position outside of CEO isn't chief culture officer. But when I was asked to step into a C-suite position and where, and we discussed where we thought that would, what it would be, what it would look like, what makes sense, culture officer is what emerged. Um, and what, what do I do? Uh, try to manage the culture. Um, culture is this nebulous moving target. But if you're not paying attention to it, it's still moving and it's still changing. If you are paying attention to it, you can try to mold it, you can make corrections. Uh, so that's what I do is try to keep my keep my eyes on on things that are going on in the office within the culture. A big one right now because it's a crazy time of year for us. You can't work fast enough, hard enough, long enough, um, and people are really passionate. It's one of the things I love about being in town, um, and they'll work. Marcy can see that I probably look tired because I worked all weekend. But the other side of passion is, is burnout and um, exhaustion. So keeping keeping tabs on people and, hey, you have to take tomorrow off because you look really tired. Um, so, yeah, th- those sorts of things. And um, it's just been a, kind of a, an odd job that is, is hard to define, but I think a very important one. Very important. This whole idea of employee engagement, I'm curious how that has changed since 2020, because we keep hearing about a lot of people, you know, great resignation, leaving jobs, realizing that there's more to life, life is short than just working for the man. What have you observed about employee engagement in your organizations and those that you interact with? Yeah, I mean, it's changed how we deliver engagement and how people view their workplace. A lot of the companies we work with have these huge two, three, four hundred acre campuses that are just absolutely beautiful. And 
no one enjoying them. So part of what we did pre-COVID was getting people out of the office and learning about the, where they work. Hey, take a walk, see what's there. And how that's, you know, there's some places that were very busy uh, before, and then they've been ghost towns for the last two years. So we, as everyone uh, did, pivoted to online and virtual digital uh, delivery. But, you know, there's there's something missing. Um, you can get content, you can learn things. But I think community is really tough, even with people that are successful with community. It's just not the same as in person. And I think that is starting to be observed as businesses are opening back up and, you know, optional come to the office and people are pouring into the office. Yeah, I think it's come full circle. Um, some places are still very much locked down and maybe it's because they've really figured out how to communicate and build community and culture in a virtual sense. But I think uh, people are excited to see each other in, in person. I know I am. And the work world will never be the same. Like you said, this whole idea of community and that we're humans and tribal beings. What should a college grad who's maybe getting their first internship or first job seeking that look for in a culture? And how do you know if you're going to fit in with an organization when you're interviewing? I think looking at what they're putting out there on social media, looking at their website, meeting as many people as you can. And you know, when you go into the interview, talk to the front desk person, talk to the, talk to the janitor, talk to everyone you can to really see how people are treated and because some values are they're expressed, but they're maybe not lived. So talk to people, see if it all connects, if it's all aligned. Good tips. Really good tips, Ben. So what about this idea of connecting with nature and being outside is there research about how that impacts a an employee's productivity that would be interesting to share? Um, research, I'm not aware of off the top of my head, specific connecting to nature and, and employee or employer outcomes. There is a lot of research around empl- engaged employees being more productive and retaining. So you know, simple like, going and doing a hive tour and checking out the beehives, if that person's more productive as a result of that, even a little bit, that turns into big dollars. And depending on the individual retaining someone for an extra year because, you know, oh, you know, I want to hang out a little bit longer. Um, I really enjoyed that tour I did the other day. Um, those things add up. Some of these companies that have five, 6,000 employees. So employee engagement is uh, just small changes that, make people happy can lead to more productive and people that work longer as in years, not more hours in a week. Okay. And with the the tours that you give, talk a little bit about what would happen if you were a member of an organization and maybe a story about how someone got rejuvenated from the experience that you provide to these employees to engage them. Yeah. We have a whole list of testimonials. One that comes to mind is, so this tour, we do lots of different things. There's honey tasting. We build a made of pollinator hotels, the tours, the hive tours. We suit people up and go through a beehive. We went through the beehive on this, uh, I was doing the tour. Everyone was very quiet. I've come to learn means either they're, they're in awe or they're scared. <laughs> and I think this group is in awe and the end of year employee survey at this business, one of the people said they remembered it throughout the whole year that 
it was the coolest experience they ever had at work and that it made them proud to work there, knowing that their business was working with this this business that cared about employees and was about getting them engaged with work. So we have a bunch of examples like that, but that's a very explicit, I did this high tour. I feel better about where I work. I appreciate that they, my work cares enough about my happiness that, that we work on. So. That, that must be really meaningful for you to see the impact that you have on individuals who've never been exposed to this. And how does it tie into leadership? I know you've shared a little bit with that with another group that you visited on campus. So many of our graduates will be overseeing teams, leading groups. What can they learn from honeybees? Yeah, it's called the Beat on Town Leadership Institute. And we look at honeybees and explore their social structure um, through the lens of biomimicry, which a lot of people have done for very structural things. There's a high-speed train that they looked at the kingfisher it was making sonic booms when it would enter tunnels, and the kingfisher pierces water at like 90 miles an hour. So how does this fish or this bird not get hurt when it hits the water and it's the shape of its beak? So that's very common, but not so many people look at social structures of insects to glean what lessons we can glean. Um, it's all sorts of stuff. Um, bees are kind of the original doomsday preppers. They're out when things are good. They work really hard. But then if things slow down, they slow down, which is a lesson I think as humans we could really learn from. There's ebbs and flows to life. How they organize their jobs um, and how they divvy up the work are great examples when you're looking in the hive and see these things in action. Bees always move towards a stressor, so if there's some damage or there's an intruder, um, bees kind of move towards it to deal with it. Um, I think the human reaction is to often move away from it, and then problems get bigger and bigger, versus if we see something going on, there's an issue, there's a stress, we move towards it and dealt with it, it solve it easier. So there's countless examples as we go through the hive. They have see different behaviors and it's just cool to think about um, bees doing leadership that's kind of reactive more machine-like than than true decision making but we can still learn a lot less from it no doubt and in our culture overall in this country it is go 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 and go until you're going to drop and you said earlier that you'd worked all weekend so how does that impact you when you see yourself getting tired and feeling maybe burned out about trying to solve all the problems, this notion of slowing down? I think for me personally, it's just a busy time of year with, with bees and in agriculture. But rainy days are so glorious because that's a day off I and mean, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> so I watch movies, enjoy the sound of the rain, hang out with my dogs. I could sit on a computer and work. I could do things, but um, I work every day at Sunday. So. Yeah. Yeah, you got to recharge your own batteries, kind of just like you're always charging up your phone. Got to remember a container carrying you around. Now we are at our last question, Ben. So this is going to be our time machine. We're going to travel two decades into the future. And I'm going to ask you to give advice to your current self. What do you need to hear today? You're doing the right thing. You've, you've made good choices. Just keep on keeping on. That's fantastic. Some reassurance for us. Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. 